Hey Siri, how many days has it been since August 10th, 2018? It was 613 days ago. Whoa, 613 days ago, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which means that 613 days ago, I went on quarantine while I battled acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Hello everyone, welcome to Operation Adventure, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Talbert, and today's episode is going to be slightly different due to the dumpster fire known as COVID-19. Instead of traveling to a remote area or a beautiful destination, I thought, hey, why not have everyone send in questions involving Operation Adventure and traveling, and I'll do my best at answering them. Initially, the podcast that was going to be released today was titled, My First Job, Working at Duralyn State Park. However, since the COVID-19 outbreak, the South Carolina State Park System decided to close all 47 of the state parks, and after some major contemplation, I decided to hold off on releasing that podcast until they reopened to the public. On Friday, March 27th, the South Carolina State Parks released this statement regarding the closures. Beginning Saturday, March 28th, all the state parks in South Carolina will be closed through Thursday, April 30th to support the state's response to COVID-19. The closure is designed to keep visitors and employees as safe as possible by mitigating the spread of the coronavirus. Visitors who are currently occupying campsites and cabins can remain through the duration of their rental reservation, as long as they continue to practice the state's recommendation for social distancing. All new reservation arrivals, however, from Saturday, March 28th to Thursday, April 30th, will be canceled and refunds issued. We continue to engage with our fans and followers by hosting Facebook Live events, informational posts, and videos regularly. Please continue to stay tuned and follow us on social media. That said, make sure to follow the South Carolina State Park System. I will link them in the description below. I haven't been vocal about COVID-19 on the socials, mostly due to the fact that I do not want to be a misinformed internetter. What I have been doing is sitting back observing how people interact with one another. What I have noticed is this pandemic has really brought communities together. People have been posting positive and uplifting messages as well as showing love and compassion. To those individuals, I want to say thank you. But there have also been some alarming posts. Guys, this corona clubbing thing is not cool. And to my fellow content creators, now is not the time to have a bunch of people out filming movies. There is a reason why major productions have shut down And this is one of the moments where I'd recommend we all take notice. Nobody in this world is invincible or immortal. This is a very hard concept for us all to truly wrap our heads around. Before leukemia, I used to think the same way. But I promise you, when your health goes and you realize how vulnerable you are to the universe, it really opens your eyes to the severity of this pandemic. When I was diagnosed with leukemia, I was seemingly healthy. And let's not forget that I was also in my 20s. What I can promise you is that COVID-19 will not discriminate. It doesn't matter your age or your ethnicity or even your sexual orientation. Everyone is susceptible to this. Since the COVID-19 quarantine, I've received a plethora of messages asking how am I doing during this pandemic. To be truthful with you all, leukemia prepared me for the COVID-19 quarantine. With that, I wanted to take a moment and pass along a few recommendations that will help you get through your time being quarantined. The first recommendation, set a routine. I've said in videos featured on my YouTube channel that routine is the enemy of time. I stand by that statement. In times like these, it's important for you to set a routine for yourself. For instance, when I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth, take a shower, make my bed, eat breakfast, and start my day. It's funny, I've actually seen friends post, haven't gotten out of my pajamas in a week, 
And then a few hours later, they'll post, I'm going insane during quarantine. When will this be over? And for me, that solidifies the importance of getting up and being motivated every day. The second recommendation that I want to put out there is to make a list. I'm someone that loves lists, and in total transparency, I'm that guy who will make a list, but then only use it as a guide. Or I'll make a list and say, okay, these are the things that I need to get done during the week. And that just holds me accountable for the things that I do need to get accomplished. The third recommendation that I have for you all, and this might seem a little controversial, especially while we're all stuck in quarantine, is to stay off of social media. I love social media. I have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got all of the things and I'm constantly on them. However, up until last year, I found that it attracted negative behavior. People tend to react instead of responding to a post, especially when people are cooped up in their homes. They tend to become a little bit more passive aggressive. So for me personally, I have this two strike rule. If I notice a pattern of negative behavior on my social media, I will either unfollow or unfriend them. That way I can really cultivate a positive uplifting community. And that has really helped me and my mental health over the last year. The next recommendation that I have for you all plays into the last recommendation that I had. And that is if you are feeling triggered over a post on social media, do not react or respond to their post. In all honesty, you really don't know where their headspace is, so simply unfollow or mute their account. And if you need to get it out, write it down in your notepad. Come back to it a little later. That way you can process your feelings and then you're not starting an argument. The last recommendation that I have for you all is to stay active. Staying active is key, especially during stressful, traumatic times. Right now, I am personally doing a kickboxing class, and then I'm finishing up with a simple dance workout. I find that on days that I dedicate a specific amount of time to working out, I'm more productive and more creative. With that said, let's put the COVID-19 talk behind us and get right to the Ask Me Anything questions. When was Operation Adventure created? Operation Adventure was created in June of 2011. However, it came into existence for me in August of 2010. One of my best friends drugged me to see this tiny film called Eat, Pray, Love. It starred Julia Roberts, and it was based on the memoir by Liz Gilbert. Such a powerful movie, such a powerful book. However, at the time, I felt so called out. And when Brittany would ask me what I thought about the movie, I would say, I can't believe you drugged me to it. At the time, I was in a really unhealthy relationship. I was also working multiple jobs. I was severely unhappy. And that was when I decided, all right, it's time to end this relationship and move on with my life. And by November of that year, we had broken up. And June of 2011, I did my first trip. And that was to Colleton State Park, Hunting Island State Park, Edisto. And then I finished it up going to Greenwood State Park because my family was camping there. At the time I posted the video that I made on my Facebook page, there was no actual page for Operation Adventure. I did not know it was going to become what it became. However, I am so grateful that it did. When did you start vlogging and what platforms did you use? I started vlogging in 2006. It was during my senior year of high school. At the time, I was in a situation with several of my friends that we just could not hang out. So we would film our hangout sessions and then post them online. And that way it felt like we were all together even when we weren't. We were posting those vlogs to MySpace. So if that dates me, it was pre-YouTube, pre-Facebook. It was MySpace. Why did you decide to travel to all of the South Carolina state parks? 
That is a really great question. I started traveling to all of the South Carolina state parks because I needed an adventure, but I was also on a budget. And then after traveling to Colleton, Hunting Island, Edisto, and Greenwood, I realized there was so much adventure in each state park. That's what catapulted me into saying, all right, I'm going to go to all of the state parks. I'm going to document that travel. I'm going to put it out online for people to see and follow along with. And It was such a rewarding experience. And I say it was a rewarding experience because by the time that I had made the Facebook page, someone had actually commented on the page on one of my posts saying, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't get to travel. Seeing your travels, it feels like I'm traveling. And that was my aha moment of, this is something really powerful that I need to do. What are the factors that go into deciding a travel destination? Well, when I traveled to all the South Carolina state parks, there was no requirements for where I was going. You know, it was to check off the parks on my list. However, now when I plan a trip, there's got to be some relevance to the location, whether it's historical or there was a film made there or a book is based there or both. I hope that that makes sense. It might not, but that's just the requirements that I have. What are your top five favorite state parks to visit? Allen State Park, mostly because I worked there from 2005 to 2011. It's a wonderful state park, great camping sites. It's always clean. Everything about Drew Island, I love. Hunting Island State Park. When you go to Hunting Island State Park, you feel like you're in a jungle. That's actually where they filmed the Vietnam scenes in Forrest Gump. When I went there for the first time, I was so blown away. I love feeling like I'm in a jungle. I love being on a beach that feels deserted. Every time I've been there, it hasn't been packed with tourists. It's just been very low-key and private. Also, there is a lighthouse that you can climb 167 steps to the top and you see out over the park. It's absolutely breathtaking. The third destination I would say is Devil's Fork State Park. Devil's Fork State Park sits on Lake Jocassee and the water is so clear. I've taken a lot of friends there and they have all been blown away and and they always say, I cannot believe this is here in South Carolina. There is a particular spot. I don't want to give away the exact location. However, you can hike down this trail and you come out onto a big rock and then below is a lagoon. It's another one of those breathtaking landmarks. And if you know where it is, you find that it's so magical. And again, because a lot of people don't know it's there, it it feels private and intimate. For me, it's just one of those hidden gems. The fourth destination that I would say is Huntington Beach State Park. Huntington Beach State Park is in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina, and the Adelaide Castle is there. Adelaide is Spanish for watchtower, and the architecture is Spanish as well. It was formerly the home of Anna Hyatt Huntington, who was this amazing sculptor, and her husband, Archer Huntington. Highly, highly recommend. I would actually love to get married at Adelaide. I just feel like it's absolutely gorgeous, and who doesn't want to get married in a castle? And the last state park that I want to recommend is Colonial Dorchester State Historic Site. I gotta be honest with you, there's not much there. However, I spent a lot of time there after transplant, just walking around the little park area. It's absolutely gorgeous, and it's one of those places, again, it feels so private and intimate. When traveling, what is your preferred method of transportation? Plane, train, car, or boat? I would say that by boat is just not my thing. I've never actually been on a cruise, and that's because I've seen... I saw Titanic. The ship sinks. Jack dies. That was traumatizing. 
So I've never been on a cruise. I have been on a boat that's went from point A to point B. However, those experiences haven't been the best because luggage has gotten wet. Cameras have gotten ruined. It's just not my favorite method. I have never traveled by a train. I would love to travel by train. There's actually a route in... New York that travels to Canada and I've always wanted to to do that as an adventure but I haven't done it yet. I have traveled by train if you count the subways in New York or DC or even Atlanta but I've never been on like a train train. I don't feel like being on the metro is a train. By plane I don't mind flying. I, I don't have a fear of flying but I would say that the way of transportation for me that I'm most comfortable with is driving just because if I'm driving then I have full control over myself getting to point A to point B without delays and if I am delayed then you know again it's on me it's not like I'm trying to connect to another flight or you know have the potential to be stuck at a destination. What advice would you give someone traveling outside of their hometown for the first time? I would say the best advice that I could give anyone traveling outside of their hometown for their first time is to be open to the adventure, be open to meeting new people. Traveling expands the mind, and it's so interesting meeting someone who might disagree with you in the in your normal, everyday life. And when you're open to that, and you're open to hearing their perspective and their thought process, it's just very enlightening. What are some common items travelers bring with them? I always bring along sunscreen, a power strip to connect all of my cables, such as my computer and my camera and my phone. I also bring a change of clothes. I'll tell you a story about that in a second. And I always bring a map with me. So those are my like my essentials for traveling. When I was younger, I was at Oconee Station and there is a waterfall there. So we hike down this trail and I see this beautiful waterfall. I'm walking to it across the rocks through the water and I slipped and fell. I was smart enough to grab my phone and my camera out of my pocket so they did not get ruined. But I completely ate it in this waterfall. Got drenched. But luckily enough I had a towel and I had a spare change of clothes in my trunk. So I was able to change out of them when I got back to my car. But yeah, always bring a spare change of clothes. Where is the furthest you have traveled? The furthest that I have traveled would have to be to Chichen Itza. It's on the Yucatan Peninsula, and that's where the Mayan ruins are. Such an unbelievable experience. We actually took a bus from Cancun down to Chichen Itza. And also, this bus that we were on was not air-conditioned. It was so hot there, but I would do it all over again. Has a certain location ever taken your breath away? Yes, uh, I actually just mentioned it, Chichen Itza. Seeing the Mayan ruins was absolutely breathtaking, especially seeing all the pyramids. That day, we also traveled to this like large cave. I'm not sure if it was a cave or a sinkhole, but we, we went down a flight of stairs, and it brings you to this like big, beautiful space, beautiful blue water. I didn't go swimming in it. I'm too like superstitious for that, but absolutely gorgeous, and it felt so great because it was so cold down there, and like I said earlier, I was so hot that day traveling from Cancun to the Yucatan. So being able to go into this like cavern, it just it felt so good down there. But you don't have to go to another country to see something absolutely gorgeous and breathtaking. We have a lot of spots in South Carolina that are just absolutely phenomenal 
And one of those locations would be the train trestle in Peak, South Carolina. It's a part of the Peak to Pomeria, or sorry, Peak to Prosperity Passage of the Palmetto Trail. They turned this trestle into a bridge, and it is beyond gorgeous. I filmed a movie there a few years ago, and when the director of photography went out to this location, she came back to me and said, oh my god, I am sick. It is so pretty. Also, like I stated earlier when I was talking about the state parks, Hunting Island State Park is absolutely gorgeous and breathtaking, as well as Devil's Fork State Park. So yeah, you don't have to travel to some remote location to have a breathtaking experience. What do you love most about traveling? I would say the thing that I love most about traveling is the experience. When I look at a location or I look at a, a travel that I have been on or an adventure that I have been on, I always think about what I learned on that trip, whether it was who I met and engaged with or how did that particular location impact my life. I always take something from it. And so I would say that what I love about it the most is just the engagement, especially engagement with the people that are at these places. What have you learned about yourself while traveling? I've learned that I am a fiercely independent person. When I initially started going to all of the South Carolina State Parks, I didn't want to go alone. However, by the time that I had finished going to all of them, I was going alone. It just taught me that I didn't have to be codependent on someone else for my happiness, that I could give myself the happiness that I was craving. I would definitely say that I learned that I could be a fiercely independent person. How do you spend your time when you are traveling and the weather is bad? Ooh, typically I don't travel when I know the weather is going to be bad at a certain location. I have been in situations where I've been at a destination and then a storm has come up. When those moments happen, I usually take refuge in my car. I'll read a book. I'll listen to music. Or I'll just find a nice restaurant or coffee shop and go chill out until the storm passes. Did you travel while you were battling leukemia? I did. I didn't take elaborate trips when I was battling leukemia. However, my mom would often take me on weekends that I wasn't in the hospital somewhere. There was one trip that we took where we went to Chimney Rock. And then after we left Chimney Rock, we ended up at the Biltmore. We picked up some food right outside of the Biltmore estate and we went and had lunch on the pond and then across the pond was a big hill and then the Biltmore was in the background. It was absolutely gorgeous and one of those experiences that I will always hold near and dear to my heart. Also, my dad took me to Biltmore right after it snowed in December of 2018. It was so magical seeing the snow there and this big castle. Also, during that time, my dad would take me to the beach when I wasn't in and out of the hospital or in and out of doctor's appointments. Typically my schedule ran from Wednesday to Monday I would be in the hospital and then the following week I would be in and out of the doctor's office getting fluids or getting shots just to boost my white blood cells. On the days that I didn't have to be in clinic he would take me to the beach and it was a, a great way for me to clear my mind and really process the things that were going on in my life and I can't thank him enough for that. All right, so what languages do you speak? I don't speak any languages. If you haven't noticed, I speak my own language. My English is always broken up and all over the place. When I was in school, I took both Spanish and Italian. I do remember a few of the words, but I am not fluent in any way, shape, or form. Tell us something you love about yourself. I love my vulnerability. I think by showing my vulnerability, whether it was... Through my work with Diagnosis the Series, or even with Operation Adventure. 
I've really shown a side of myself that is soft and kind, but it's also made me develop a backbone full of spikes in a sense. I'm very firm about setting boundaries with people, and when people cross boundaries, I'm not afraid to say no you are out of bounds. I feel like by showing my vulnerability, it's made me a more compassionate person and an understanding person. So yeah, I would say I love my vulnerability most of all. What advice would you give someone looking to start a travel vlog, blog, or podcast? Well, the best advice that I could give anyone when it comes to creating content in general is just to give it your all. Create the content that you want to see in the world. Create the content that fuels your soul. And with that, it's time for us to wrap up our podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it and I hope that you consider us friends. If you do, please feel free to reach out to us on our socials and say hi. I'll post them in the show notes below. Also, can I ask for a favor? Will you make sure to rate and review our podcast wherever you listen? It helps people find us. And please consider subscribing. Send it to your friends and tell them to subscribe as well. Operation Adventure has found a home for our podcast over at Anchor, which provides this really cool way for us all to interact. Through the Anchor app, you can actually call in and talk to me. Then I can incorporate that into the Operation Adventure podcast. For the time being, I will be uploading monthly, so make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and check us out at operationadventure.org.